Hello, hello. How's everybody doing out there? Peasant chat. That's right. We're talking to poor people today. We talk to poor people every Sunday because typically they couldn't be able to afford uh, a super chat back in the day. That, then I started the whole um, members program, the Patreon, all that stuff. So you have been considered even though you are on the peasant chat. Today we're going to cover a lot of little topics here and there. Typically, you you see me bashing Ford's EV stuff and Ford's, um, let's just say, lackluster pursuit of the EV market or market share of the EV car world. Um, they put a half-hearted effort by shoving a Mustang name on an SUV. Then they took an F-150, literally the same frame and everything, and shoved an electric motor in it, maybe an IRS, and said, here, here's an electric truck. And it was severely overpriced. Uh, it had a terrible, terrible... Um, range and that was its demise but what tesla did was actually even more detrimental to ford's ev development or anybody's ev development the only name in town when it comes to ev viable ev stuff slashed its prices and people started going wait a minute i can get into a tesla for thirty-five thousand bucks. i'm in and then they started noticing that it's actually a decent vehicle then you started hearing rumblings of them making a cyber truck and now you go to a Tesla dealership, Cybertruck is here. And you're going to start seeing some really crazy numbers come out of this specific vehicle. The truck market is so specific to the U.S. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about why the Cybertruck is what future vehicles should look like. Remember when you were a kid and you watched RoboCop or a couple of years ago, you watched iRobot? And you're like, why don't cars look like that? And all of a sudden, the Cybertruck shows up. It looks like that. And you sons of bitches call it ugly. So I don't know what to do about that. We'll also talk about late model performances. Record 8.2 with a 1.7 supercharger on their uh, Camaro. We're also going to talk about the 1,000 horsepower Hennessy that um, Matt Farah, who is a non-driver apparently, uh, talked about. But it made me kind of... It jogged my memory as to some of the things that happened with tuned, cammed vehicles that customers complain about. But not before. We have Mr. Bill Riley say hello to the people on a Sunday. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking right. thing sucks. It yeah. does Suck. Let's get after it. All right. Two Auto Solutions. Rami's add on to Auto Solutions. The main deal. I mean, he's like the main sponsor of the deal. He pretty much gave me all the parts for the Corvette, and he's here all the time. Two Auto Solutions. Race Motive. He's alive. He was not in a Russian prison. Got a hold of him. He was just enjoying time with his family. Crazy. Race Motive. You need to have Pumpsy on Pumps.com. Check him out for Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. Mention YDBT in this show at checkout. Might give you a break. Park Farm, the parkfarm.com is the title sponsor because they cut me a huge break on the notch in order to get some sponsorship shit up there. So, the parkfarm.com, check them out. They got Camaros, Hellcats, Trackhawks, 24 Mustangs in the, in the house, and pullouts. Hey, yo, I don't, but they do. Conformance, conformance.com, conformance on Instagram, ultimate header, ultimate header.com. 
PMAS, Nick James of PMAS, and Calumet Transmission, CalumetTransmission.com, Calumet Transmission on Instagram, Calumet Transmission everywhere for your MTD2, GT500, uh, I'm sorry, MTD2 and TR6060 needs. Let's say hi to the people, and then we'll talk a little shit for about an hour and a half. Minibag Madman, Joe Swish, Darren Harper, Lewis A, through <laughs> 313 Mike M. <clears throat> First people to say hello. Mini by Batman again. Rich 50. Slow Sean. <clears throat> Sorry, I just haven't talked all morning. So I'm just kind of loosening up the vocal cords. Hey, yo, Jay Bush, Monty 540. Candace Lupus, Ken Phillips, Cody Kelly, Kellen Stock, Sam 50, Mercury Motorsports, Slater, Ellie ATX Cova, Dixon 225, James Williams, Creative Assistance. Mini back Madman again, Matthew Nichols, Cole Daltrey, Jared Wells, Smokin 14, Twin Force, Bryce Witt, Walter Hoffman, D Rock Fox twice. South Detroit Entertainment Maniac, J.D. Swag. What's up, J.D. Swag? Kyle Cross. Uh, Kyle Cross? Isn't that the guy that sings Sailing? Is it Kyle Cross? Kyle, Kyle, Cross? Sailing? <clears throat> yeah. No, wait. Who sings, who sings Sailing? <laughs> Isn't it Christopher Cross? Cross Sailing. Christopher Cross. That's why it sounded... Really familiar. Gregory Elvis Turbo. <laughs> I just went off on a tangent there. Uh, Ezekiel Palacios Turbo FWMC. Kyle again. Ruben Carvajal. Naldo Angry Saturn. Smack One. Jermaine Diego. Vincent Phil Fez. 94 GT Vert. Leon Phelps. Guy Belanger. Abdullah Al Abbasi. Matt Oliver. 11 a second. Eclipse. 11, 11 a second. I sounded so Hispanic there. Kevin McAllister, Kem, Capcom Racing. Robert Kennedy, Milton Perez, Bender, Justin Bales, Travis, Minibike again for the 80th time. 2000 MCR, Maniac, Redbird, Upgrade for a double dose. Uh, up Joe Swish, John Franco, Thunder Biscuit, Gregory Uffitch, and Chris Cobb. Let's talk about the record-setting run, late model performance of late model of late LMP of MD. We'll talk about that. Then we'll talk about Cybertruck stuff. We'll talk about a little bit of everything. But I want to start with them because they, uh, <clears throat> Alec Bledsoe mentioned something very important on this segment of the video. Again, if you want to go to the beginning and watch his record run where he ran, uh, let me see, the 1541. So he ran an 8.2 at the rental the following day. I'll show you the run. Uh, headphone users, beware. It is loud because Camaro stuff. That little turn right there that you know once the nose comes up on irs cars they tend to steer left and we noticed that with the gray goose but I think he went 820 later on if I'm not mistaken uh, yes right here da, 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 da. let's see if the nose comes up again and steers left much better so 826-161 legit so at 1541 he says something that was very um, <clears throat> Oh, it makes sense and i've always wondered that question myself so listen to him carefully yeah so i think we're the second fastest 10-speed car ever in a gm platform which is honestly sad um i don't know why these guys haven't gone sevens yet in the gm i'm not talking shit. i hope someone does but uh we have a one seven and we swing 20 so yeah um i think that 
the Ford game is way more advanced than us with, with what they're doing. They've been sevens two years ago, um, and there's been a lot of them that go sevens. Right. Not a lot, but a handful of them. And um, we need to, as a GM community, step our shit yeah. up. You know? I think they're just lucky we haven't put... And he's not right. He's not wrong. Um, his current car with a 2650, you and I both know that's a 790, 780 car. Now, it all depends on what the transmission does, and they, and they talk about that coming up. Turbo's a one. Yeah. Or your or car a 2650. 2650. I mean, shit. <laughs> Look, yo, we don't, we don't hate 2650s. And to be I'll honest like a challenge. with you, we know that if we put a 2650 oh, yeah. on there, it's a wrap. Yeah. He's not wrong. And, um, you know, it makes it makes sense because a lot of you guys think that things are automatic. You guys go, well, you know, if Ford does this, somebody has to put the work in. And we're lucky that we have shops like um, Midnight Performance, like uh, Mexico Racing League, like Aldo, <clears throat> like... Um, What's the, what's the Coyote Direct, like uh, Coyote Performance, like Evolution. We're lucky that those shops are willing to take it to the next level and allow us uh, the privilege to tune their vehicles. Um, so there's something lacking in the GM world. Now, maybe, maybe, I'm not 100% that <clears throat> it's also an issue with the platform. So... The LT platform is direct injected. He had to build that motor pretty good, configure it to work with the 1.7, high RPM, so low stroke, high RPM. <clears throat> um, the cam profile has to fit perfectly. And it's it's a motor building thing, whereas Coyotes do it with the stock long block, right? And that's why I've praised the Coyote platform since it came out. I, I didn't jump on it because I thought this is the latest and greatest and let me jump on it. Like Godzilla stuff. Like I, I looked at the Godzilla and I went, that's not it. <clears throat> because the template to go eights and sevens require you to open up a Godzilla just like the LS or even a small block Ford or a small block Chevy or a big block would do. Whereas a bone stock Gen 2 and up motor allows you to go way into the 8s, way into the 8s um, uh, yeah, and high 7s with 36, 3,700 pound race weight, which is not light. So I started saying, this is it. This, this motor is the God motor. This is the motor of all motors, the design at least. So people would say, I don't think so. Well, the holy grail for V8s is obviously eight cylinder. Not only, you have the best of everything with this Coyote. You have twin, independent, variable, cam timing, stock. You have a high revving engine, stock. Okay, and you have at least 300 cubic inches and it doesn't really need that much help except boost and fuel to run a number. So on the GM side of things, <clears throat> you immediately have to open it up. So for the guy that wants to go fast now with the minimal amount of work, it's really tough to be a Coyote platform. Now, I praise people like LMP of MD that they're making it happen, and they're going to go 7s, I'm sure, once you slap a 2650, slap, slap it on there and run your 7 and be done with it. But the transmission development on the GM side has been lacking. Do, do Chevy and GM shops dive deep into – do they have their Jake Long? Like on the Ford side, we're very lucky. We have Lund Racing, best Ford tuners, OEM, ECU tuners 
on the planet. I'm sorry, you can, you you can't debate that. You can debate it, but you'd be wrong. Jake Long, coming out with probably the most revolutionary part in any Ford transmission, the 4R200 slash 3R200 hub, which reconfigures the 6R and removes the weak link, the Ford Planetary. And now you replace it with a hub that has a similar gear ratio-ish to a Turbo 400 and stock ECU control of that which was developed by Lund Racing. So we have a Jake Long on the 6R side. We have a Manuel from Midnight on the 10R side. We have a Mexico Racing League and an Aldo that are willing to do whatever it takes to go fast in an S550 or S197 platform, most of them based in Houston. And we have a bunch of other guys that are willing to get after it also. Is the GM side... So, okay, this is probably the other problem that just came to me right now. Is it possible that there are so many GM tuners that there isn't one top dog? I don't know. I don't know how the hierarchy goes with GM tuning. But is there one guy that does everything for, say, LS, LT, and newer, like a Lund, that part manufacturers are willing to work with and say, hey, I want to develop something for the 10R80 version of the, or 10L, 10R80 for the Chevy side, like Blue Streak Performance over in Australia, Daniel Otway, he's out there making billet input shafts, billet uh, forward planets, making really robust stuff to make the 6R80 work, but they're not giving that much love to, they're not giving that much love to the Chevy side of things. Now, a lot of people here is talking about the 497 to 296. You got to understand, James Williams, nobody launches in first that makes big power. Again, James Williams, nobody launches in first gear on a 10R80 that makes big power. Even LMP of MD launches in second. Anyone who knows anything about 10R80 games at second, at 800 plus rear horsepower, First gear gets eliminated, you make the starting gear second gear, and you work off of that. Nobody touches first gear leave on a 10R above 800 horsepower and live to tell about it. So forget that one to two shit. Nobody does one to two shit on 10R that makes good power and is actually serious. Now, we started doing that to because we saw there was a favorable gear ratio. Other tuners in our... Um, market said it won't work it won't go any quicker meanwhile every single time we sent a second gear leave tune to every 10 or 80 guy that made big power again na guys this ain't about you at all this is about big power so those guys ended up going quicker because it has a favorable gear ratio so why wouldn't you put the same thought process as a favorable launch gear ratio to a 6r like people that are still out there complaining that a 6R80 without all six gears is not a 6R80 are the same people that would say a T56 without fifth and sixth is still a T56. Well, wait a minute. They eliminated, they eliminated fifth and sixth. Now it's just one through four. Is that a T54 or T40 or a T4? No, it's a T56 with fifth and sixth removed. A 6R80 is a 6R80 with five, six, four, five, six. Removed. Actually, not even six. Four and fifth. Fourth and fifth overdrive is still active if 
you want it, but you really got to know what the hell you're doing when you drive that because there is no solution for the 3663 downshift. Okay, let's talk about Cybertruck. When you were growing up and you were watching these futuristic movies, RoboCop, <clears throat> iRobot, uh, Demolition Man, those cars that you saw, I think were most of them were Ford Tauruses. Like, like they were all a Ford Taurus. Because it did, the Ford Taurus did, if you grew up in the 90s, and you were used to seeing Crown Vicks, Chevy uh, Impalas, Caprice Classics, Oldsmobile 88s, old Delta 88s, Novas, boxy, square cars. And then the Ford Taurus showed up. And you went, what the hell is this? This thing looks smooth. It has arrow everywhere. And then the Mustang uh, GT mimicked the headlights. And that became the car of the future. If you saw Demolition Man, if you saw... Um, what's the other one? RoboCop, the Ford Taurus was the car of the future. So now the Cybertruck has come out and it's making people flock to it. I see nothing but videos on Twitter, YouTube, anywhere of people going to a Tesla dealership just to look at this thing. That tells me something that my, you guys might not agree with. This is like the new Halo car. Oh, Jesus, this lighting is terrible. I'm trying to get some better lighting in here. This is Tesla's... Oh, well, this is worse. This is Tesla's new Halo car. So <clears throat> now people are showing up to the dealerships just to see it. Why? Because it looks like a future truck. It looks like we're in the future. And based on the performance aspects, guys, the I think there's a tri-motor version. That's a 10-second truck off the rip. That's right. You put a pinche 956 a la verga, cuz, with your Whipple Supercharge F-150s, you might have to be on the lookout for tri-motor Cybertrucks. That's right. Now, do I think it's awesome looking? No. Do I think it looks futuristic? Absolutely. But there's going to be a launch event on November 30th, and that's where we'll get, that's where we'll get everything. It's supposedly bulletproof. It supposedly runs tents. It supposedly has a high 300, low 400 mile range. It has all wheel steering. It has a, a functioning six foot bed that has a retracting, I don't know, slide over it, a la like a, like a, like a ridge line. But at the end of the day, it is a futuristic truck. So Ford cut back on their EV production hardcore for a couple of reasons. One, nobody wants a Ford electric vehicle. When you think of Ford, you think of F-150, you think of Mustang, and what else do you think of? Maybe the Explorer. Like the three main vehicles it, that you were to think of a Ford offering is uh, F-150, or maybe you're a Super Duty guy, right? You don't even care about the gas stuff. You're a diesel guy. Oh, you look at the F-2, F-3, F-550s are pretty stout. There is a recall on the transmission on the F550s, by the way. Just just so you know, ask ask Keith Ray and, and John Lund. They they've experienced shuddering when they're towing a decent amount of weight. So Ford cut back, and there's an article right here uh, in the. It was it was an older article, the Inside EV article. I'll just read really quickly from it because I'm a fast reader because I actually graduated high school. Ford Motor Company's third quarter earnings revealed the rising EV losses caused mainly, mainly by slowing demand and the EV price war. It, oh, my Lord. What is... What? What the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. I don't have... <laughs> what is happening? Oh, my God. You see what happens with these paywall sites? These paywall sites piss me the fuck off. Let me see if I can back up. And it's, 
It's just a fucking pop-up, my lord. Um, Ford managed to sell 20,962 electric vehicles in quarter three, beating General Motors by a slight margin, thanks to largely increased Mustang Mach-E production. The Mach-E sales rose 42% in quarter three, with 14,000 units sold, 5,000 were since September alone. The car market EVs deliveries increased 44%, leading 26% in growth year over year. In revenue, one point billion for the Ford model, but unfortunately, there were good news, and for, that's where the good news ends for Ford EV business. Despite the higher volume, EV losses continued to rise in the third quarter. EV losses. You know, it's funny how they make language confusing. You think you, you gloss over this and you see EV and rise, and you go, losses rise? No, you should have worded this. The EV sector continued to lose, but no, they go rise. It, they, the, the losses continue to rise to the quarter of the company, posting an operating loss of $1.3 billion, meaning they lose $1.3 billion on the EV side year over year. This means that Ford lost around 36000 for every electric vehicle it sold in the quarter. Oh, my God. Ford lost 36000 bucks each electric vehicle they sold in that quarter, surpassing its estimated $32,350. Um, for the entire year, the carmaker expects a full-year loss of $4.5 billion in the EV unit. Simple. They basically say, Tesla fucked us. Tesla fucked us. Tesla basically said, you know what? We're going to lower prices just a little bit because we are cash heavy. We can afford to give you a discount. And they went to the model of volume. Volume. Just like Black Friday used to be. You could take a hit on the main, on the, on the, on the margin if the volume was good. So now Ford has pretty much seen that the EV game is not sustainable. You can't lose $4.5 billion year over year and expect the, 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 the ship to keep sailing crazy stuff we'll talk about that too if you want and finally i'm not a big fan of matt fair he's a non-driving motherfucker he's fat and uh generally doesn't know shit and he's pompous but he did bring up a funny thing here he reviewed a hennessy of course ct5 blackwing but he talked about how the cam profile is so aggressive now tell me guys is there any aftermarket camshaft that's emissions legal any of them is there any aftermarket cam that's emissions legal? I'll answer the question for you. Not just no, but fuck no. There is no way this cam in this car is emissions legal. Why is Hennessy getting away with it? But anyway, this is how you would expect to launch a manual CT5 Blackwing if you have a cam situation in it. Uh, no, thank you. I am not buying a $100,000 car with a cam and probably another $50,000 uh, add-on Hennessy junk ass because they don't know how to build a car for shit. How the fuck? How the hell are they still in business? And they're offering a brand new car with a cam? What? So listen how it takes off. Move forward more than I wanted to. Right. Bro, stop it. Now, when you modify your vehicle that has a big hog-ass cam, I'm, I'm talking to you, GT500 owner. That's right, 13 and 14 GT500 owners. Don't complain about the idle being 950 with a Luntune. Hey, I want my idle to be 750 like stuck. Oh, with your cams? With your cams and your Whipple 4.5 liter blower on E85 with ID1700s and a Kenny Bell 168? You want your idle to be 750? 
And then you're going to say this in the next breath. Um, it launches like shit. Right. Learn how to drive. My GT500, I have to rev it pretty high. Not over 2,000, but pretty high and ride the clutch out in order for me to leave the light normally. So a lot of the times what we do as a tuner, we raise the idle a little bit to make your life easier, especially on GT500 stuff. Now, even on Gen 2 and Gen 3 or even Gen 1, we raise the idle slightly because on manual cars, it launches better. So I, I'm blown away that when we send a tune out, they, they, the, one, one of the first complaints that comes back is, I don't like the high idle. Okay, cool. So that's part of the base file. That's part of the base. We raise it to make drivability easier. Do you want us to bring it back to stock? Yes. Do you disclaim that any drivability issues that were to arise are not our shit? Well, no. Then shut the fuck up and live with a 750 or sorry, 825 RPM idle. That's how we know sometimes the tune is even flashed in the car based on the idle speed. Whatever you guys want to talk about, all the, all the subjects I covered, I'm here for you. So, again, congrats to LMP of MD for running in A2. Congrats to Ford for actually realizing what we knew all along, that you guys making EVs is trash. If you want an EV, you only go to Tesla. You don't even bother with anybody else. Andy Black Betty says, my NA Stage 3 Camp CJ Gen 2 idles at 850, 900. You see Tesla isn't allowing customers to sell their Cybertrucks within the first year of ownership? Yes. It's because what's happening... Exactly. Uh, John Lucas like, a thousand horsepower, huh? Bet that ain't to the tire. No, it's Hennessy. Lucas, you know this. Hennessy tells you that. that look at Whipple. Whipple says that it's got an 800 horsepower uh, uh, motor, uh, uh, supercharger package for the 24 Mustang. Guaranteed, there is somebody that's going to buy it. Take it to a dyno. And it makes 690 or 700 to the tire. And they're going to be on the phone. Like that meme. That black guy meme when he's calling immigration because his girlfriend didn't want to give him poom poom. It's like, uh, hello, Whipple. Um, I bought your stage two 850 horsepower package. I put it on the dyno. And it only made 701. What the fuck? And then you have to explain drivetrain loss. And then you have to do that shit. Whipple, can you do us a favor? Can you stop advertising behind the asshole power? Like, I thought y'all were legit. I thought y'all knew shit. So why are you measuring horsepower behind the neck? 15 or 20% drivetrain loss. Oh, guess. And that torque management. Oh, that torque management or AKA torque reduction on the shifts. I can't wait until you 10 or 80 guys try to launch that thing. And because it has a warranty, that fucking throttle isn't wide open until it's going 80 miles an hour. I love that Coyote Voodoo's don't need cams to go that fast. Our 1400 horsepower package car still drive likes stock. So, I really think Whipple is going to shoot themselves in the foot just like Roush did. Roush, when I worked at VMP, we were basically like Roush's upgrade shop. Someone would call Roush and go, hey, I want to go faster. You would say, talk to VMP or Brent Speed, right? Brent Speed or VMP. And people come up, you know, I, I would act, I can't believe I actually answered fucking phones at VMP and they expected me to tune at the same time. That was freaking hilarious because guess what happens when you get a Roush owner on the phone he tells you about his mother beating him up when he was a baby he tells you about his first kiss he tells you about the time he got bullied in high school he tells you about his his dad's car he tells you about, he tells you the whole you need to know the backstory no i don't all i need to know is what your issue is a typical call should go like this 
Hi, VMP. I have a 2015 Roush Stage 2 Phase 2. I would like to upgrade it and make more power. What should I do? Typical Roush Shelby. Name your homo of a premium Mustang owner. Uh, hi. Yeah, my name's Gary. And, you know, I love cars. So, when I was growing up, my father had this 67 Nova. It was so fucking badass. And my uncle had a Chevelle SS. Badass. 454, four on the floor. All that stuff. And when I was a kid, I was like, one day I'll have that car. Then one time, Tiffany kissed me in the bathroom, and I thought that was sweet. I came home, told my mom I kissed her girl. She beat me. Anyway, I have a 15... Like, shut the fuck up. So, those guys, Shroush, fielded so many calls. About why isn't my car making 730 or whatever horsepower? I got the sticker. I got the sticker on the side of the car. Now I'm going to have to change the sticker on the side of the car. I thought I bought a Roush 757 package. What was the Roush? What, what, what horsepower? Roush. 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 Seven, 727 package. So imagine. Imagine you're a fucking retard. And you buy a Roush Mustang, and you believe it has 727 horsepower, and you buy the sticker that says 727. Then you go to a dyno, and everyone's looking at the side of the car, and it says 727. Shit. Put it on the dyno, make a rip, and it makes 599 or 601. And everyone goes, you might want to change the sticker to 601. <laughs> because 727 is measuring horsepower behind your asshole. If you don't get that reference, I don't have to explain it. It's, you know, it's, it's a dick measuring um, thing. So I'm blown away. I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away that people still advertise Whipple, 800 horsepower. It, just, it sounds great. It sounds awesome. But in reality, why don't you just make, why don't we have the standard become rear wheel horsepower? I don't understand it. It's crazy to me. This isn't 700. Isn't 700 wheel on an SBE Gen 1 pushing it? Yes. I would not really. Uh, well, okay. It depends. If you have a supercharged application where it's using power to make power, you understand? It's got a belt and it's yanking on a freaking blower and it's using power to make power. So typically if it makes 700 wheel, that's about 65 to 80 horsepower that it is losing, but you still have to measure it as a whole thing, meaning parasitic loss and just at the at the engine, let's say behind the asshole, it's really producing 780, but at the wheel, 700. So turbo applications are different. Turbo applications, it's free horsepower. It's exhaust, turning some wheels and shoving air back in the car after it goes through an intercooler. So typically on the Gen 1, you might be able to get away with 800 on a turbo, whereas a supercharged application, about 700 is as, as much as I'd want to push it. When they asked why my 2024 850 horsepower Whipple only goes 11.2, and that's where you're going to have to come up with excuses. You're going to have to cope. You're going to have to tell them all this stuff. So imagine you take your Whipple supercharged Black Horse or 24 GT to the track. And the car doesn't run any quicker than a guy that spent $15,000 doing NA gay shit. So now, you're going to have to make excuses. Wait a minute. Alex said that if I got a supercharged full weight car, uh -uh, I said tuned. 
I never ever said a Whipple tune runs good or a Roush tune runs great. Actually, I've seen cars run 10s. Yes, a Gen 2, Phase 2, uh, 80 millimeter pulley, LU47s, auto car run 1090s with a Roush calibration. I think some Whipple calibrations have been 10s also, but it's not super documented. Like a lot of people don't go out of their way to document um, what a Whipple tune runs with a Whipple supercharged car, uh, car, whereas Roush did, and it was a 10-second car, generally. So it's going to be interesting to hear the excuses when you have a Whipple supercharger on your car and you're going to get beat by NA cars, and you're going to be like, what the hell just happened? Like an NA Gen 3 CJ or NA Gen 3 AT manifold, PMAS, LU47s, a good um, converter, some weight reduction, and a Lund tune on E85 is a 1080 car. And you're going to take your 850 behind the asshole horsepower, Dark Horse GT to the track and run 11.2, and you're going to, you're going to be in for a, a thrashing. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to look for you. Oh, look, he has the Whipple 855 horsepower package. Let's want to race, and then they beat you. And then you're going to go, shit, I needed a Lund tune. Well, pendejo, it's not tunable. That's why I don't fuck with the 24 Mustang. Just because, just because Roush, uh, maybe Hennessy, who knows, Whipple would have access to that calibration does not make that car instantly fast or desirable. The only time Mustangs are relevant is when they're tunable and tunable by Lund. Look at what happened to F-150. Remember F-150s? Everyone was tuning F-150s and, and a couple of tuners were popping off on some dumb shit like, oh yeah, look, blah, 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 Lund don't fuck with this because we didn't care. Then... Manuel's like, hey, you want to fuck with these F-150s? Junior's like, fuck it, okay. Made a base file, refined it. The quickest F-150s are tuned by Lund, period. You took my 14 Paxton um, through finish line, and it's been amazing, but sold it a few weeks ago. Just my, my 24 Dark Horse and hope I get you to tune it for my <laughs> TA Stallions. I don't even know what... Do you know that the possibility of that thing being tunable is very bleak? Now, do you want to hear something retarded? You want to hear something stupid? There are efforts to make F-150 computers flashed with uh, unlocked 23, 21 and up F-150 computers uh, unlocked and flash a Mustang strategy through them. Like that's where we're at. That, that's, how, that's how retarded tuning has become. That's why I said 23 and under is king. That's why I think 23 and under should be concentrated on hardcore. But 24 and up, now what do you got to do? Okay, so let's say you want to tune your 24 GT and Dark Horse. And let's just say, theoretically, somebody uh, devises a way of flashing a Mustang calibration on an F-150 computer. Puts it in there. What the fuck do you think it's going to cost? A, a flash... F-150 computer with a 24 calibration. So, now we have to be able to tune the car, meaning put a tune on it. That's a bench flash. So, F-150 computer price. Bench flash price. And then finally, a tune price or a device price. You are talking $2,000. Congratulations on buying your 24 Mustang asshole but alex don't know nothing alex don't know shit 
Alex is just a hater. Alex, Alex, Alex. I told you, sons of bitches, to not touch the 24 Mustang until it is tunable. When it is tunable, meaning natively, meaning the fucking car's computer can be tuned directly with a device. That's when you should pick up that vehicle. But no, you sons of bitches want to be clout chasing first kids on the block. Go ahead. And then when tuning becomes available, 2,000... I'm theorizing here, but I've heard rumblings and uh, it blows my mind that you don't just pick up a 23 and under car and you can run a 7 tonight if you got the money and the tuning with it with with an end, not mm-hmm. no not not 23 to 21 but uh 20 and under end gauge boom go eights tonight or sevens tonight where the fuck you, if you got the money you can go sevens tonight no 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 let's say stuck with a 12-2 gt or an 11-9 dark horse in its in its best trim psycho shit oh look people have gone tens right after they've removed two lizzos from it fuck out of here those Ross and Whipple tuned cars on 91 and 3 Octane Pump Gas 2. Exactly. This is why I still got a Gen 3. Not tunable. I'm out. That's wild. Ha ha. F-150 ECUs and 24 Mustangs coming soon. And imagine what's going to happen if it doesn't communicate properly. Imagine what's going to happen if the freaking ECU is not able to be unlocked. Because it's one thing to be able to flash a car. It's another thing to be able to flash that ECU. Meaning you got to be able to flash the ECU. And let's say 24 Mustang computers can't be flashed. So you got to bench flash the F-150 ECU, shove in a 24 Mustang strategy, and hope everything works out, and hope that the ones and zeros line up and your shit doesn't break. Oh, that's going to be fun. It took HP tuners three years to unlock and tune Global B. The question, is it worth it? It's stupid, expensive, but it has two iPads. The good news is tuning these new vehicles will weed out the poor people. Man, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but the problem is this. Just because you have money doesn't necessarily mean you have sense. I've met so many poor Mexicans, white boys, Puerto Ricans, all these motherfuckers. Poor as shit. Finally be able to afford a Gen 1, a Gen 1 or a Gen 2. Tune it. Guess what? Those guys are great to communicate with. They're humble. They're humble right off the rip. They're like... Hey, um, I don't really know much about computers, man, but, uh, orale, I, 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 I don't think I can steal enough internet so I can, uh, flash my car through TDN. So I'm going to have to go to a Starbucks and do the idle and slow revs in Starbucks. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, bet. They go to Starbucks and they, 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 they bum the Wi-Fi. They do their thing and they're like, orale, Holmes, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, anything in the future, let me, and I say, oh, you know, you don't have to need, you don't need internet connection. You can log it with scanner. And I give them the, and they're like, oh, rich guys or guys that have money are like, make it work for me. And then I love this as if this is going to make me to work hard, make, make me work harder. I paid $1,500 for your tuning sweep package shit. So you better call me and they put their number in the email. Get the fuck out of here. You see this? You see this fucking thing? I'll give you two of them. Take your fucking phone number and shove it up your ass. I treat you like everyone else. Just because you're stupid and rich doesn't mean I'm going to bend over backwards for you. Because some poor kid that saved up for months and months and months in order to get his car tuned actually did some research, looked up on the forums, looked up online, listened to this show, and is able to flash it no fucking problem. Just because you spent 1500 fucking bucks on your Shelby doesn't mean I have to have be your fucking personal concierge 
to make sure. Okay, now hit the, hit the, take your mouse. Yeah. The left click. Yeah. Drag it. Oh, drag it. No, this isn't a help desk situation. Stop it. It, it. Rich guys are the worst because they expect the money to equate to to easy. No, the poor guy is more humble and he's willing to do the research and do his own work. And I have a way better, easier time tuning a, uh, a mid level, you know, a, a guy that middle wage, middle middle age, middle wage earning guy than any rich guy. Every rich guy has a thumb up his ass about like, you need to call me to figure this out. I don't need to do shit. Fuck that. Um, like, they're, like, like they're entitled to something. Right. I treat, I don't give a fuck if you spent a thousand or 50 bucks on a sticker. I'm gonna treat you the same. Hey, thanks, thanks for the sticker purchase. Appreciate you very much. If you need anything else, let us know. That, okay, cool, thousand bucks. Here's a tune. Here's the complete list of instructions. Here's a complete, like guys, the instructions have pictures on them. There's literally pictures on the, screen captures, on the instructions. And it says, do this, click this, drag it into this file, and do that. And people still fuck it up somehow. But Alexandro, I'm a paying customer. I'm going to call your boss. I made HP tuners. Call me over some RTD bullshit, and that's it. You have to talk to the manufacturer. Everyone that sells an RTD simply sells an RTD. Once they sell an RTD and they export a file to an RTD, vaya con Dios. If the TDN network doesn't connect, that's not my shit. If the data logging is not working, even though I uploaded the proper channels config into, the, into your folder, that is not my shit. That is on them. So you have to email them. And then you go, well, what the fuck? What the fuck? Why do you guys sell the product if you don't support it? We do support it. Support at whatever hptuners.com. Vaya con Dios. Um, thank you for all the info you have been giving us all these years. Thank you. But Alex, I, I, I appreciate that. Flock F-150. Appreciate that very much. I was asking somebody, um, what is my equivalent in the Dodge and Chevy world? Or even in any world. Like in any world, is there anyone that has a little credibility behind their name? They've run a couple of cars, you know, run a different, run the, the platform that he talks about and has been mildly successful with it and seems to steer the people the right way. I don't know of many. I know a lot of guys have podcasts and bro, some of these clips that are coming out of these podcasts, by the way, shout out to you if you have a podcast, cool. But nine times out of 10, these motherfuckers don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're just regurgitating what the tuner tells them. Alex, how much power do you think a Gen 1 Voodoo can handle with twins? Um, I don't think the issue be between Gen 1 and Gen 2 is how much power it can handle. The Hot Toss 350 made 900 really easily on a Whipple. Like, whoop, no problem. Wheel. So that's about 1,000 behind the asshole power. With twin turbos, you could probably make 1,000 or 1,100 now hot for how long? Right, because the Gen 2 Voodoo has different head studs and a couple of different, I think a Predator block, I don't think the block has ever been an issue. Understand? Like, I don't think a block on any Voodoo ever in history has been an issue. So people think that the Gen 1 Voodoo um, block is an issue. It's not. Is the Predator block better? Yes. But is the Gen 1 block bad? No. Gen 1 Voodoo block? No. I've never seen the block cause an issue. So 
in terms of power, I guess it's the rod. So I personally, if I owned a Gen 1 Voodoo, I would keep it under 900 and keep it under 8,200 RPMs. I wouldn't rev it to 9,000. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tempt fate, especially boosted. So I would run it on E85 as much as possible. I would, I would give it the best octane possible. If you give the best conditions possible to any motor, especially Gen 1 Voodoo, I can't see why you can't live 850 to 900 for years as long as you treat it right. Uh, da, 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 da. James Williams, official ghost, says, this is why I spend my money with Lund. When Lund Gauge comes out, there will be some real demands coming. Exactly. My girl used to work for T-Mobile. People couldn't figure out their phone. Can't imagine explaining tuning to people. Lund needs to start making pop-up books. Uh, Tony John says, is there a ghost cam tuned for PD blowers for a Gen 2? Yes, there is. Alex, do you have a video for how, for how to for... <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen to this one. Angry Saturn says, Alex, do you have a video for how to for a 13 to 14 GT500? <laughs> Sounds like he had a stroke in the middle of typing that. Jay, Jay Green for racing Dodge using the Diablo platform. Gotcha. Best looking 17 inch drag wheel. Who knows? Probably a Balak. I'd love to get into Balak stuff, but I'm not saying they're not expensive and not worth it. They're expensive and worth it. I just don't think it's worth it to me to run a Belac. It's it's jewelry, right? When you see a really nice weld RTS or S71 or a B beadlock or whatever, or even a, a RC comp, I love RC comps. Beautiful. But the Belac kind of stands out because they have, you know, custom stuff. And I know the guy, Damien, um, you know, we chit chat on, on Instagram sometimes. Um, it's jewelry. It's, it's weld quality, RC comps quality, just blingier. And some people would say, if all things being equal, strength-wise, I'd rather have the best-looking wheel. And, and they get a Belak. And I understand it. You better come to my garage and figure out how to do a crank reeling on my device. It can't for some reason, even though my dead rat can. <laughs> I love you. Uh, Mike S says, when you get a GT350R, well, I'm going to spend about 20K on the Fairmont, so probably not for a little while, unless the Patreon takes off. If the Patreon starts making like 2,500 bucks a month, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get something. HP usually blames the game. Blame, use the place of blame game when things don't go right. No issues with the TDN as long as you have an RTD+. Plus. Gotcha. Doing a Gen 3 F-150 Yodi swap with my 1080 and my new Edge. Only have an STX4 tuner. Does Lund require a different device for tuning? Currently, and again, Richard Tijerina. Currently, we do not support SCT. That's not to say that we won't in the future. It is not up to us. You. You. Guys. You know, the best thing about the peasant chat is that the peasant chat really um, comes through. You guys were able to get Alec Bledsoe $3,000 plus to race his car, which allowed him to go there and hit a new record. You know, we, we were just a small part of that, but I was very happy to do that. Why don't you guys email SCT and say, and again, in a nice way, in a nice way, don't be like, what the fuck, say, hey, a lot of us here, have dead rats and we've been waiting and we really don't want to buy this or want to buy that so we've gone to subpar tuners and all they're doing is dicking me around sending me a tune and not hitting me up for two weeks da 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 da, da. why don't we have 348 people email sct in a very nice professional way and said hi my name is uh let's say richard tijerina i love your device i i've gotten used to it and i love the logging on it 
But the biggest issue with my device is that Lund is not able to tune it. Is there something that SCT can do to allow Lund Racing to... Now, Lund Racing is not asking for that, right? I'm just saying on this channel, we can maybe put a little pressure and say, look, the, the public is demanding that Lund tune... Because we're not playing in the same sandbox. Other tuners in the Ford side can tune SCT, HP tuners, and some PCM tech stuff. So those guys have SCT ahead of the game meaning they and they, they don't they don't equal our sales but why doesn't set all of a sudden say let's flip a switch and say hey you guys are operating great you're still breaking records even though we have been tuning with one arm behind our back yes guys we have been tuning with one arm behind our back and we have had to do everything and anything to make it happen why doesn't set just flip a switch you guys can do that now you know what you guys can also do that i would rather you do check this out I am officially asking the peasant chat to email Ford Performance. That's right. So I don't know how aware Ford Performance is of our recent accomplishments. Predator block, stock cams, Predator, 350 heads, 6RED, Ford Racing Control Pack, won the Street Fighter class, ran 679 at 209. How is Ford Performance not even remotely aware of what we have accomplished and why aren't they helping us a little bit just recognize send us down something bench flash this try this get us in that inside line of R&D because at the end of the day we will sell more product for you hey Ford you want to sell more uh, predator blocks you want to sell more stuff get in on the Leading edge of programming, which is Lund Racing, get on the inside line. So, hey, peasant chat, I'm officially asking you guys today, if you want to hit up SCT in a nice way, that's cool. If you want to hit up Ford Performance, I would love if 50 or 60 or 100 emails on the general thing of Ford Performance's site, I don't even know the website, look it up, and say, look, send links, get basically a bit of a push because one thing this channel does well is help others we helped build it yourself gain like 3,000 followers in like a day or two and they thanked us we helped late model performance a Chevy shop um, help them with their subs and help them with a little money so why not help Lund Racing huh why not help Lund Racing so peasant chat I'm officially asking you to reach out to Ford performance in a very well structured email to let them know what we're doing and that we should be at least somehow in the inside track because it's mutually beneficial. Crazy stuff. John Lucas says, A thousand horsepower stresses are not equal across power adders. There are turbo kits that float in stock valves before a thousand horsepower. This means that horsepower, just like boost numbers, is not something you can compare alone. He's right. Absolutely. I mean, he does it for a living. Tony John says, I would have, to, I would have gotten a 24 if Lund can tune it. If 24s were tunable, I buy one. I have to. Because... It is my job to R&D this stuff, or at least Lund would have to. But what are you going to do? I didn't buy the 24 Mustang because you can't tune it, and I've been tuned with Lund for five years with my supercharged Gen 3. Had no issues, so now I have a boosted Gen 2, and I'm very happy emailing Ford Performance right now. I understand that some of you guys don't care about Ford Performance, but I think putting a little pressure on them would at least let them go, damn, 
they're doing that? Four performances dead, says LSX. They dropped most of their engineers early in the year, and a buddy of mine worked there for the V2 boss intake and was a part of the boot. I get it. It's a, it's a very small shop. John Lucas says, the EPA has ruined this relationship with the OEMs and the aftermarket. He's 100% right, too. That's the problem with this generation. I just don't think they care to be honest. What hit the like, Beach? Uh, Bryson Witt says, don't go emailing Ford calling them gay. That probably won't help. Yeah, let's, let's not do that, please. SCT is 10 times better than the RTD, says Cole Daniel, not Alex. Aaron Rodgers says, Alex, please wish Mike a happy birthday. Um, is his name Mike Rogers? Mike Rogers, happy birthday from the peasant chat. How old are you? Is that your wife? She looks good. Can <laughs> you imagine? She's like, hey, uh, start, <laughs> wish my husband a happy birthday. And I'm like, hey, your wife's looking pretty hot. <laughs> These peasant chats can't even hit the like button. I get it. Andy Black Betty says, I don't have a specific email for Ford Performance, but they have a social media page. Politely keep Lund in their feeds. Right. In a very nice way, try to basically, hey, did you see that this was done with a Ford Racing Control Pack and a 6R80? I remember, um, okay, so I was at PRI, I don't know, fucking pre-COVID, I think. Was it pre-COVID when they introduced the stupid, uh, um, the stupid uh, iron block? And Keith Ray talked about it. Actually, let, let's let's look into that because we can talk about this. That, that's cool. Uh, Alejandro Flores, Aaron Coyote. And this is a, yeah, here we go. PRI cast iron Coyote block. And this is where Keith Ray of Wonder Racing, the man who built my motor, he's, he's, he's just so handsome. I'm just so proud of him. Uh, this guy currently owns the quickest door slammer. Uh, modular on the planet, 6'1 at 220 something. So we asked him, hey, what do you think about the uh, the uh, iron block, bitch? Oh, what, what, what's, what's, uh, what do you think about it? So, and I did an interview with him at PRI. Where is he? Where is he? Here we go. Boom. Check it out. I'm here with Keith Ray. Keith Ray. Uh, Ray is known to have a fast car, and because I'm not fast, my opinion does not matter. <laughs> so. I asked Keith earlier about his thoughts about the um, cast Coyote block mm -hmm. for performances introducing, and you had an interesting take. So tell me your thoughts about the cast Coyote block, cast steel or cast cast iron. Cast iron, sorry. Yeah. At its face value, I mean, it's a it's a good idea. Um, the problem is is force weight, no doubt. How much heavier do you think it would be over uh, aluminum? Coyote? It's probably. Without knowing the exact structure, you know, I'm sure it's relatively the same structure. Right. Um, a sleeved aluminum block versus that, it's probably going to be, I would say, every bit of 50 pounds. 50 pounds heavier? I would think so. I mean, this that's the difference between like a big boss or a boar, uh, or a boss big boar, versus a Texan. Okay. I mean, they're significantly heavier. That 4654 crap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's archaic. Gotcha. It's like caveman stuff. So, what would be the benefit of cast over aluminum? The nice thing is, is that is, depending on the price point, that would be a good option for guys that don't want to send a block out to get sleep. Okay. You know, 11, 1200 horsepower range. Right. I would say all day long, that's a good idea. Because you don't have to worry about pushing the sleeve out, you know, whether it's, you know, like a crappy tune, whatever. That's <laughs> at me. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, knocking a cylinder out of it okay. in that instance. That would be a good, 100%, I support that. Okay. But as far as 2,000 horsepower, 
I would not trust it. What does it cost to what does it cost to sleeve a coyote block on average? On average, you're looking. Let's say you already have the block. You, know. you already have the block. You're looking sleeves, labor, mains, decks, everything out. The work is markets usually between thirty-two and thirty-five hundred. Wow. It's that, so how about a cheap one? Is there a cheap sleeve job? Because my argument went out the window with that. Because let's say my mine, I took my L and M. It was eighteen hundred bucks, but I had the block. It wasn't some crazy decking or mains or anything like that. It was just sleeves, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me that could probably live at 1,100 tops with that setup, would I be better off with a cast block? If you don't care about weight, if it's a street car, right. that's definitely. Okay. Okay. So this is great. And, and again, boy, you know, I, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I have covered everything. I have covered everything there is to cover about Coyote and my channel just has everything. So I'm blown away when people go, well, where do I find, where do I find information? And I type in Alejandro Flores, uh, Iron Coyote, bam, it just shows up. So when we were at Ford Performance uh, at that PRI show, we talked to one of the engineers, engineers, guy with glasses, skinny guy, biggest Adam's apple you've ever seen. Uh, He goes, huh. We're really excited about the iron. Did you see the iron coyote down there? And we looked at him in a state of confusion. We go, yeah, we're not really excited about that because it's heavy. He goes, that thing will support 2,000 horsepower all day. And we went 679, 209 with a Predator sleeved block. That's like 2,500 behind the asshole power. So what does that tell me as the layman looking, listening to this engineer tout the iron coyote? I thought to myself and in real time, when he said it, I said, he has no idea what's going on in the aftermarket. He has no idea, nothing. He hasn't gone to a racetrack. He hasn't heard about L&M. He hasn't heard about Keith Ray. He hasn't heard about Lund Racing. He hasn't heard about anything. If he's thinking that people are excited over that. Now, when did that video take place? Three years ago. Three years ago. So you're telling me you're excited over an Iron Coyote? And then now it's become available? Imagine you wanted to build a car and we're waiting for this block and in, th- in three years you had to wait and only to see Lund, Brett, Keith, and all these other fast guys run badass numbers on, an, on a sleeve aluminum block. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I just sent 69 emails, made 19 phone calls and left 125 emails, ran the most post office mail. Stop Stop <laughs> Glassroom Coyote says, got my Lund RTD yesterday. Coyote, Cavs, expert, and Adam's Apple, a real man. The increase, do you know if a T56 from an LS1 F-body will fit the T56 adapter kits? I don't know that. The increased displacement capabilities will be cool to see from the cast, but I don't think so. I don't think so at all because when you, you actually want less displacement and higher RPMs at big power levels because we take a 5.2 Predator and put a sleeve that is a 5.0, meaning 4.125, I think, or 2, or 4. Point, I don't know, 4.065, whatever the 5.2 bore is, we bring it down to 4 inches. I think that's uh, a standard bore for 302. 
So, there is no argument to be made by more displacement on an iron coyote. There's just no argument to be made if 5.0 Predator blocks sleeved can run a 6.79 at 2.09. At the, at the extreme example. I just don't think... I, I don't know that a 5.4 coyote would be better than a 5.0 coyote with like 80 pounds of boost. Um, I don't know anyone who makes 2,000 horsepower with an iron block. Do you think there'll be an auto trans with more than 10 gears in the future? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay, yes for fuel economy. For power, I think six speeds or eight speeds are it. I think with Dodge stuff, they proved that eight speeds, that's it. And Ford and Chevy proved that 10 speeds ain't worth shit if you want to have a season a season with a 10 or 80 um brandon says to john lucas really no reason for it. it's not rocket is a stock bore motor so is the lund car um i built tune and raced twin turbo 10 speed camaro says propulsion inc i believe having to add aftermarket port injection is what slowed down the gm development compared to ford okay propulsion but y'all could make a thousand horsepower with stock stuff no or was the di really difficult to make a thousand horsepower with I 100% agree with you that adding an aftermarket port system would hinder um, the, but, but, but now you're here. You're, you're, you're here, and I expect to see seven second natively, meaning the transmission that came in the car, the motor that came in the car, the ECU that came in the car, seven second Camaros, right? But the problem is you also have to get, dig into the engine. You also have to make it rev higher. You also have to make it have a cam. You have to have better better um, um, heads, I would, I would, or maybe not. I don't know about LT stuff. I'm going to be honest with you. LT stuff, I don't want to talk too much because I'll, I'll be saying stuff that sounds probably completely silly to the to the people, to the experts. Uh, Dear Fox says, you mean don't run 7-inch pistons on 3 single or VMP Gen 3R for stock motor coyote? Uh, VMP Gen 3R, actually, VMP Gen 2R in my opinion, for a stock motor. And no one will believe me. Everyone think I'm stupid. The Gen 3, in my opinion, is the equivalent of like a 4-liter Whipple. Like, you don't need it that big. D-Stroke seems to work really well. Exactly. I think um, LS... Okay. When you see cars that are small displacement, high RPM cars, you now have the ability to control the leave better. Whereas... Let's say you have a nitrous big block, right? Off the hit, you 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 either have a converter, swapperoo, or really tame down everything because you're making crazy torque immediately. Whereas, let's say a twin turbo Coyote with 302 cubic inch at 4,500 RPM ain't making that much power, so it allows you to stick the tire a little easier than a say big block Chevy on nitrous. Because of the torque. You almost want less torque down low than anything at a certain power level. At a, again, at a certain power level. Seems easier just to keep the sleeve, the aluminum block, no replacement for this boost. <laughs> exactly. 15 speed with boost by gear would be wild. It sounds like a nightmare. The clutches would be this big. Um, Joseph says, well, it depends on what's swapped into. If it's import, yes, most likely. If it's anything else, probably not. Your video talking about California special is 100%. Got my 13 CS manual with 27,000 miles and it was bone stock. This was 2021. Which video are you talking about, sir? 
Um, guy running 430s, uh, 16130. Yes, ESS Gen 3 R is the truth. When it comes to centrifugals, I think they've taken um, they've taken the centrifugal game by storm. They've done a very aggressive marketing campaign by literally giving blowers to me, to other influencers, uh, and we were able to vet the combo properly, and it's just taken off and good for them. Is it really worth putting uh, cams on a pump gas 5412 GT500 with Gen 3R, long tubes, and an SBE? Why do you have a Gen 3R on a fucking... <sighs> I'm just not going to talk to him. Why do you have a Gen 3R on a fucking GT500 stock bottom end? Explain to me like I am a fucking child why you got the equivalent of a Whipple 4.0 on a stock bottom end. Explain to me like I'm 12 why you thought that was a good idea. Why didn't you just put a stock Trinity blower on it? Why didn't you put a Gen 2R on it? Why didn't you put a Gen 2 on it? You can make more power than the bottom end can sustain with a Gen 2, Gen 2R, or a Trinity blower. Why? You're talking about cams and you got a Gen 3R on pump gas? Like, you want to talk about, and no offense, Nightmare One, you want to talk about dumb combinations? That's a dumb combination. Oh, so VMP was selling it, so you put... So, okay, cool. Awesome. You know VMP is also selling um, uh, 163R throttle bodies? Why don't you pick one of them up? Look, this channel has regurgitated, and for about nine years, I've been telling you the combo. But people still put a Gen 3R on pump gas on a GT500, and now they're talking about, talking about cams. On pump gas. On pump gas. I repeat, on pump gas. I, I can't. I can't with people. Pump gas. Oh, uh, you know, and they fall in love with pump gas numbers. Oh, I made 700 on pump gas. Congrats. So your ringlands are going to hate you in about, ten, you know, in about 100 miles. What? What if you go to Marathon Gas Station? Shelby owners are the best guys ever because they... They tout pump gas numbers and get pump gas at Costco. I can't. I can't. I don't even. I don't talk to him. Fuck it. Alejandro Gomez says they should run two transmission like they do on semi trucks. A six speed attached to the. <laughs> so, so, so how? What's that gonna weigh? What? what dual transmission? <laughs> It had to be Alejandro Gomez. It had to be a fucking puro pinche 956. Puro pinche 956 <laughs> a la verga. Let's run two transmissions. Oh, my God. So you can use your upper pulley as a spare tire if you ever need to. Danger zone. Be <laughs> that, name <sh> <laughs> that name should not be ever mentioned on this chat. Ashton S187 says, a few months back, you were talking about getting into a Gen 2 that's unmolested. Correct. A Gen 2... California Special is more likely to be less ragged out than a regular GT. Look, that's all in the cards. Look, you got to understand. I say things, but half of them don't come to fruition. I can't just like buy a, a Gen 2. I have no room here. A again, I know, I know. Oh, you should get a house. Oh, cool. You should get a garage. That's what I should get. Um, I should definitely... Uh, 
probably choose my words wisely because a lot of people are mad that I didn't get the, the 350R from, from Parts Farm. It just wasn't feasible. And then they're like, well, why are you throwing 20000 into the Fairmont? It's the Fairmont. You should know enough about the Fairmont to know that I, I care about that car more than any other car that I have. Can we talk about on three kits on the S197? Yep, they're shit. They, they hit everywhere. They are built like crap. They, um, you're going to have, you're going to have a, a primaries that are knocked in to make clearance for the, for the steering shaft. They're junk, but they make power. Junk quality makes power. What else do you want to know? Are you, are you looking to make big power with a junk kit? Vaya con Dios. But, but when, when you install it and it takes you three times to install it, and then watch, you're going to be like, well, I got a 1,000cc injector. This is my favorite combo. On three twin turbo, Dietrichs 1,000s, and a BAP. Now, what are you trying to do? Just quit. <clears throat> I like the name. Rosa Melano. Rosa Melano. Says, uh, ESS has been out for a while, but no single eight car, eight second car yet. But plenty of Vortec cars going eight. ESS is a clout blower. I understand that thought process too. I understand that thought process too. I'm not going to say you're wrong. ESS needs to cater to racers, not roll racers. But this is the problem. Vortec has been racing for years. Pro Charger has been racing for years. They have a robust racing division. You know, gear drives, all this stuff. V30, F1, F2, F8. Uh, ESS has the G3, G3X, G4. You know, not, but that not to say that you can go eights in it. It's just a matter of what is more available to you. Can you go eights with a Pro Charger today? Yes. Can you go eights with a Vortec today? Yes. Can you go eights with the ESS today? Yes. You just have to configure it properly. Pocket Watch is lit by the built Ford Pride. <laughs> Why can't I make 700 wheel horsepower on pump gas? Big displacement is great if you're going for pump gas numbers. I agree. Uh, there's no such thing as a dual transmission semi trucks. What the fuck are you talking about? We have a splitter. It's low, high gear, says Lex Luthor. Then you have to bend your AC lines and it snaps and fills your face full of Freon. Knock sensors don't like don't like it, Ken. Uh, my buddy has a truck driver, delivers fuel. Pump gas is all the same. Valero 93 is BP, Kroger 93, same truck pumps. It all comes in the same tank. No such thing as good gas station except for 85. And this is where you're 100% wrong. Then explain to me, like I'm a child, when I, Alejandro Flores, go to Marathon, Costco, or, or, or anything else, on the same tune, my knock sensors kick back two degrees. And then I go to Shell, a busy Shell, and my knock sensors are adding three degrees. 93 octane from all those fuel pumps. Oh, I did all the testing in Florida. And every single time I tell a customer, thousands of times, not once, not twice, thousands of times, what gas station did you get your gas from? Marathon. Do me a favor. On the same tune, go to Shell or BP, fill up, drive it a while, then relog. Magically, the knock sensors are happy. Explain to me how gas is gas is gas. You don't think they have different additives in each station? Stop it. Stop it. You are wrong on that. Keep, let your buddy keep driving trucks. He don't know shit about the pump gas game. Not like I do. I do this for a living. 
Comparing it to companies that have been around three times longer, all gas is not the same. Why does it seem like no one uses a G4? What do you think it's capable of? I don't think it's capable or not capable of anything. You almost have to build a car for that blower. You understand? It's got a rev really high. It's got to live above 6,000 RPMs all the time. And the G3X you can make 1,000 horsepower with. So most people that are serious racers, they immediately go to Vortec. Why? Vortec has more head units, more mounting options, and probably a better contingency program. And so does Procharger. ESS is more like a street kit. Sorry. Um, a few people have been bottom nines with an ESS only a matter of time before they go eights. Talk maintenance from different tank maintenance from different stations should you should you take the 251 out of the fox oh my god jesus christ what the hell happened here should take the 251 out of the fox and put it in the fairmont build it on single turbo and keep it carb will be cool oh oh really so just triple my work and have another useless car sitting there the notch take the 351 out of a running driving car that runs great put it in a car that is a shell no that's that that's why guys have 16 project cars in front of their driveway or in their house. Can't forget BJ's or Cumberland Farms. Exactly, bro. That pump, that gas is absolute trash. Shaquille Ahmad. Oh, where are you at? Oh, here, here we go. Oh, that's an Indian song. That's uh, uh, he says Shell is better. So Shell is better. Yes, Shell in my in my experience has been the better fuel. <clears throat> He's wrong about the gas. There are different blends. Also, uh, the gas station managing their pumps helps exactly. Um, people drive trucks for a reason. <laughs> Stop it. Robo style. All gas matters. BP, Shell, can't go wrong. Catalogs don't lie. I, data logs don't lie. I think he meant. Blue few? A blue fire? Blue fire? Blue fire? Blue few? Blue, B L U E F Y U. Blue few. Mm. <laughs> I have a Gen 2, mostly untouched, headed exhaust, cold air, Lund 93 tune. I want to turn the wheel on pump gas. Is there any single reason I would get the ESS G3 over the G2? Yes, the G3 will help you get there easier. I wouldn't even touch the Gen 2, or the G2. I wouldn't even look at the G2 as a viable blower. 3 or 3X, 120 millimeter pulley, pump gas, 650 horsepower, and be done. Alex, ESS came up with the G3R, 1900 CFM blower. Cool. When does the 1900 CFM happen? K2AZ. Where does the 1900 CFM happen? At 7,800 RPMs? What about the middle? The G3X is perfect in the middle. And let's say at 7,300 RPMs, the G3X starts to peter out, but then the G4 goes up a little bit past that. But the middle of the G4 is trash. I'll, I'll keep the G3. Uh, Alex lives in Florida. Not trying to become Florida, man. <laughs> ESS came out 3R now. Peasant energy is strong today. You're not wrong. Alex, so I can put a Gen 3R on my stock bottom NG500 and run on low boost marathon 93 in cars and coffee. What the fuck, man? The reason I got mad at Homeboy. The reason I get mad at Homeboy is because that's like the weird logic of GT500 owners. Big, massive blower. The 2650 equivalent is it's like a four liter Whipple. Would you buy a four-liter Whipple for your stock bottom-end pump gas car? Yes or no? Would you buy a Kenny Bell 3.7 or 4.2 for your stock bottom-end pump gas car? Yes or no? Then why would you buy a 26.50 for a pump gas stock bottom-end car? 
Don't make no sense. Craig Walls. I can guarantee there's a 15 to 20 GT stock engine out there with an ESS G3X that is running the 8s. I think so too, Craig Walls, but the problem is you know how it is with the internet. If it's not on the internet, it's not true. Meanwhile, guys just want to race and stay off the internet. I guarantee there is a couple of guys that have gone 8s. They're just not on the stupid forums. Slippy Boy says, for someone who's not a racer and just wants to have some fun on the street with a Gen 1 high mileage car in a manual, what is the best combo for boost you recommend? I just want to have a little fun. Honestly, I talked about this like to death. Gen 2R, 82mm pulley, MU52, a BAP, FFE, and a good clutch on your Gen 1. You can make 630 to 650 rival horsepower on pump gas. It makes enough torque to be fun and zippy, and you're not going to get beat by much unless it's similarly built or better. You're going to be faster than 70% of the cars on the road. VMP Gen 2R, CJ65, PMS120, MU52, good clutch, FFE, good drive shaft. Vaya con Dios. Yeah, it's like I got by a tricky tune guy who is the perfect epitome of an NA peasant. He said he was spinning on a roll on beadlocks. Luckily, I have the video. I, I got the tricky tune guy who is perfect. Yeah, I don't care. I, look, let me be honest with you. I, don't, I, I appreciate that you beat uh, another tuner's tuned car, but... I mean, what do you want me to do? <clears throat> if I wanted to toss a Whipple on a bullet, bullet Mustang S550, and my goal with the car was to have fun on the back roads, would you recommend to do with the transmission? Stage one build. Back roads. <sighs> I would do at least a Ben Calmer stage two. If you're not going to do any drag racing, it's just back road stuff. You're, gonna, you're not, you're not going to slam it in a gear. The gears, the stock gears on an 11 to 17 MTD2 are weaker than the D4 variant 18 to 23. But the biggest issue is the forks. And the pads. So stage two minimum, stage three for ultimate, you know, thousand horsepower capable shit. Alex, Valley 10 speed probably would go eights if he did record it. Um, the problem with Valley 10 speed is tracks around him are trash. We are lucky that we live in Florida, Georgia, like South Georgia Motorsports Park. Look, within five hours, I got four tracks. South Georgia Motorsports Park. Bradenton Motorsports Park which I'm not a fan of. Gainesville. You guys forget about Gainesville. The good track. And uh, Orlando Speed World. So, if Valley 10 Speed would live in Florida and go to the track a lot, maybe said, hey, Alex, come out down to the track. We'll see if we can get this fucking thing in the eights. Okay, let's see. Go down to do some data logging, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, cool. Look, if he tested a lot. I think he can go eights, but he's he goes to the track once every three months, and then the track prep, and he goes on a day where it's a it's a, it's a, it's a testing tune. You know how much glue they put down on testing tune nights? Absolute nothing. I have G3X on my car currently. They didn't know if I had any tune. If if y'all had tuned any yet, we tuned most of them. We tuned most of the G3Xs out there. Did you catch Jim Brewer's special where he released on YouTube? Pretty funny. No, I'm gonna have to look at it. That's why I'm sticking to LT4 blower on my 530 Silverado. Just seems logical. How's Tony? Tony's good. He's sleeping, bro. He's the dude just sleeps now. I think I could go well into the age with a 3400 pound Gen 2 with a turbo 400 and a G3X. I think so. I don't understand how any cars have so many issues hooking. Oh wait, the Houston gut with stock has suspension on beadlocks. Yes, that's that's a great any black Betty. That's a great um, observation. So when you remove weight from a car, let's say you take all the seats out, everything. But you don't touch suspension, springs, drive shaft, axles. All you do is shove a tire on it and a Cobra Jet on E85. You're going to spin. You need to be light. So you're not going to take the weight you removed and then 
put it where it belongs, ballast, over the rear wheels. You're going to just remove the weight and say, oh, man, this thing is, yo, this thing is flying, man. This thing is crazy. It's fucking spinning first four gears. Well, there's no weight on the fucking tires, asshole. So if you get the proper spring rate, you get the proper dampening for these shocks. Oh, but that costs money. Weight reduction is free. Okay, weight reduction is free. Now you're spinning from a roll and A. That does not mean you're making power. That means all the weights in the front, none of the weights in the back. You're asking for 60 rolls and A. You're a fucking clown. Sorry. Now, if you want to play the NA game, remove a bunch of weight and then start strategically placing weight where it belongs. Some dampening, some proper springs to get the body to roll a little bit to get you some weight on the back. And then magically you hook from a 60 roll again. I'm blown away by that. Midnight or PBH for a 10 or 80 rebuild. Depends on what you want to do. If you want to go like Billy Badass stuff, I think both are comparable. Honestly... Midnight probably for the seven-second stuff, but the trans is not going to last long, period. And it's not Midnight's fault. It's the trans fault. But if you want to run eights or nines, ten, anybody, like ten, anybody, but Midnight, uh, Power by the Hour, anybody. Never realize how many guys buy huge flowers when they will never, huge blowers, sorry, flowers, huge blowers when they never use it. Uh, Jake, Midnight, I don't think PBH does 10 already stuff. Yes, they do. Stop it, JD Swag. They do 10 already stuff. How dare you? It's just clutches most of the people do. Thanks, Alice. Here's for the Fairmont. Thank you for the five bucks for the Fairmont. I appreciate that very much. They do 10-hour rebuilds. Yes, they do. Um, Andy Black Betty says, I'm still slow as fuck, but I have almost as much fun. Low suspension, driveline stuff than I do over power mods. Street tires and almost never spin even harder on shifts. MGW or Barton Harvey 3 for MTD 2D4 and Y. I like both, but can't make up my mind. I like the Barton Hybrid 3. Installation was easier. You have the option of mounting it on the transmission, which is going to cause more noise, vibration, and harshness, the, the trans mount, or the body mount, which I did. The body mount was perfect for me. I love the short throw. It is very short. That's probably something you're going to have to get used to. The MGW is fine. I think it's severely over-engineered for the application. That's all. That's all. Like I've seen more install issues on an MGW than any Barton ever. Um, Gen 1 and Gen 2, 6R80s, all interchangeable. Yeah, I think it's the valve body that's different, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what's it say? Uh, I didn't even know, sorry, says JD Strike. It's all good. Kennedy Keller says, it's sad that VMP doesn't sell the Gen 2R anymore. He has to, and has to push the 2650 with dinner plate. Well, you know the story behind that, right? So, back in, I think, um, 16 or 17? There's a, a die. So I'll show you what a casting die is. Images. Casting. Backspace delete. Casting. So, casting die mold. So, okay, so this is a very rough example of what a casting die is. Okay, so imagine, right, your your contracting Roush or PAS, perform performance assembly solutions, and this is let's say the shape of what a Gen two R would be. Okay, so let's say you've used this die so many times 
that the die itself, the tooling, is starting to see some wear and tear. They've used it on so many you know, cases that they've made, constantly chugging out Gen 2 R's nonstop, that you know, you're going to have to pay for that a new one. And you and I both know how expensive tooling is or dies. So, VMP had a, a choice to make. Do we support the Gen 2R by investing whatever it costs to remake the die? Or do we just push the 2650 going forward? In my opinion, one of the more crucial mistakes they made was letting the, 20, the Gen 2R die go away. Letting the VMP Gen 2R die. Like, die. Your death... Sakawel Padi, it's over, Johnny, it's over. And they had two versions, if I'm not mistaken, a GT500 bull pattern and a Coyote bull pattern. So, a really good indication to show you that the Gen 2R should have been recasted is the sales of 2.3 liter Roush blowers skyrocketed. Let's look up right now a Roush... 2.3 liter blower. Well, 2.3 blower. They still to this day make them. Uh, uh, American Muscle. Look, American Muscle's got it. <clears throat> so give them a little plug, I guess. Whatever. So right here, you can today, today, buy <coughs> a Roush 2300 blower setup for seven grand, which is kind of high in my opinion. Okay, let's go back. So right now, this blower is available still, which is a rear feed, rear feed, traditional style, perfect. But the Gen 2R had a bit of a bigger, more aggressive elbow. But this Gen, this, this Roush Phase 2 blower, 2.3 liter, is badass. I'm going to tell you guys, why is it badass? This is why this blower is a little more badass than um, previous Gens. And I'll show you... Let me see. Oh, look at the Roush performance. Perfect. The reason this blower is a little more desirable. Oh, bro. What the fuck? No good pictures. I need like a good photo of it. Like, bro, come on. Stop being gay. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Images. Is the removable elbow. There it is. This is JPC's site. So the removable elbow. Why? Why? Why is the removable elbow better? You can get to the injector. The Gen 2R has a one-piece elbow that connects here and then, you know, whatever. So you'd have to sometimes pull the blower to get to the last injector. Sometimes, depending on the injector, the hat, the, the rails that you got. But this one, it's one, two, and then a third bolt on the bottom. It's triangular-shaped elbow mount. And you can then remove the elbow and access everything underneath. So... I think one of the biggest mistakes VMP did ever was not to recast the VMP Gen 2R in both GT500 and Coyote platforms. Thank you, Ian Martha, for the money. By the way, remember how I told you that Ian Martha would get rid of his Hellcat and Trackhawks? Track yep, he got himself into a 10R S550, just like I told you he would. You literally make me right.
For the dyslexic comment earlier, says Angry Saturn. That's fantastic news. My car already has T56. Getting rid of the LS1. Want to talk retarded setups? I saw a CJ made it to a stock auto body for sale on Marketplace today. Yes. Gen 2 got all the good stuff. Guys, when I tell you that Gen 2 should be the platform you're considering if you want to get into modern coyotes, I don't say that out of some bias. I say that to out of experience and to save you some money. You want a drag race? Fuck the 10R80. 6R80. You want to make big power? Gen 2. There is no DI to delete. There is no DI. Motherfuckers are deleting DI from Gen 3. Gen 2 don't got that shit. You can make enough power on the stock bottom end to go 8 tonight. Natively, meaning 6R80 that came in the car, motor that came in the car. You want to shove a Gen 2R on it? You want to shove a Gen 3R on it? You want to shove twin turbos on it? E85 in the fuel system, axles and drive shaft? You can go 8s with a crank sprocket and a TSS oil pump gear or something like that. So... You want to have more trouble with the Gen 3 than it's worth? Go ahead. Because this is what's going to happen when the 24 becomes tunable. The 24 is going to become tunable and you're going to have the same fucking problems you have on Gen 3. DI issues. 10R issues. Dancing. All up in the record. You're going to have the same fucking issues. There is no vast... Uh, change in the 10R80 structure on Gen 4 than there is on Gen 3. So let's say you're waiting for the 24 to become tunable so you can start fucking with it. You're going to have the same fucking 10R problems you had on Gen 3. Gen 2 is King Daddy if you want to go racing. If you want to roll race and do 60 to 130 draggy race, Bro, buy a Gen 3 ESS and run Fords and tell people you're badass. But if you want to race from a dig at a track consistently, Gen 2 is King Daddy. The guy, the, the speed, uh, the, the racing films or something like that on YouTube, he has a Gen 2, Gen 2R, a 79mm pulley, E85, runs 980s. He could run that till the end of time. 980s, 980s, 980s on a Gen 2R with a 79 upper E85 with good DA. You know why that car runs that good of a number? Because he literally followed my template. This is the best way to go this. I might still get a Gen 2 because I can build it so easy. It's not even funny. So we'll see if the, if the Patreon and this channel does better. I'll just keep adding cars to the shit. Because I was literally going to buy a, a Model S Plaid. Put about 20 down and see what the deal was. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to teach these motherfuckers? It's just a plaid and I'd rather put it in. Some guys convince me and, and I want to help Jake and I want to help Lund. I'll build the Fairmont and make it a seven second car. Probably stock. Probably the, the goal for the Fairmont would be stock bottom end, seven second coyote car. Stud it, but leave the bottom end stock. <clears throat> Ian went from pookie to homosexual, but seriously, that's an upgrade. Wonder when guys are going to start pulling OPGs and 24 Mustangs. How does the stock coyote clutch work with the T56? Not good at all. It doesn't even fit. Different spline. Wait, is it 23 spline? I think it's 23 spline for MT226 spline. For, uh, unless the D4 is 26, I forget. But I would not use the stock clutch on any T56. That's, that's poor man shit. You're talking peasant, peasant stuff. I'm going to use Gen 2 motor for Caddy Swaps, nothing else. Uh, would say the same for F-150, Gen 2 over Gen 3. I agree. Wait till the Gen 4 manifold swap request. Start rolling in. Uh, Ford should have kept the 6R8 in the Gen 3. Oh, sorry. I missed your message about the Magnum clutch. You got it. This is 
gravy combo dripping out for anyone to duplicate. Kids don't know how easy they have it. Buy a building with some land and store the cars. I, I like how he goes, buy a building with some land. So a million dollars? I live in Palm Beach County. Now, I am looking further north. Vero, Fort Pierce, stuff like that. And if I can find a building for... Ah, I don't need a house. I don't need a house. But if I can find a building with some land, I might end up north a little bit. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Thank you very much for hanging out with me on a Sunday. We talked a lot of shit today. Again, guys, I am asking you guys to kindly email Ford Performance. Lund is not asking me to do this, to, 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 to stop that shit. I'm trying to help in any way I can. Even if 50 emails show up that said, hey, Ford Performance, Lund is doing Billy Badass shit with your stuff. Uh, you might want to give them a second look. I understand that. Maybe it will help. Maybe it won't. Also, if you want to do something similar to SCT, that's on you. I'm not a huge fan, but if SCT uh, wants to make sales, they can. But again, I'm not pushing for that. I know a lot of you still have the dead rap, so maybe you want support. So that's the best thing you could do is try to push Lund down their throat via emails and see if any traction happens. I'm out of here. Have, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, I can't believe it's Sunday already. I want to. I, I need another day off because I don't want to show up Monday and have to fucking deal with everyone that waited for the Black Friday sale and then just pow, exploded. And there's gonna be Cyber Monday stuff, so oh, it's gonna be good. But hey, look, if people are buying a product, things are good. I make more money. You get your cartoon. Things are good. All right, guys, I'm out of here. See you guys on Tuesday for talking shit. Tuesday uh, again. Today at five o'clock. I will release the video that I made yesterday available to Patreon members and um, channel subscribers or channel members. You guys saw the Fairmont get power washed. I removed a bunch of shit from it. I, you saw what E85 does in the fuel tank when it sits for over a year. So there's a lot to see on that video. It's about 24 minutes long. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'll make it public to everyone today at 5 p.m. But if you're a channel member or a Patreon member, you've already seen it. Have a good